You're listening to the New Life Church Podcast, where we are passionate about helping you connect to your God-given purpose. To learn more about New Life Church, including our service times in Canton, Georgia, visit us online at newlifecanton.com. We're in part four of this series, Parables, Snapshots of the Kingdom. If you missed any of the weeks prior, you can get online, newlifecanton.com, and get caught up. Now, since we have guests every single week, I want to make sure that you are clear on two things before we jump into this. Number one, parables are simply made-up stories to make a point. They're just made-up stories. So when we read these stories, they didn't actually happen. Jesus made it up on the spot. He may have used something that he saw there in the town or the village uh, or something they were doing, and he would use that to make it memorable because every time that person did that again, they would remember it. Brilliant way to teach. Number two, you know, he talked about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. We're not talking about the knights at the round table, okay? The kingdom is the rule of God. The kingdom is the rule of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's a spiritual kingdom. Say that with me. Spiritual kingdom, not a physical kingdom. His disciples, all through their ministry, and even up through the resurrection, they thought all along he was going to raise up a physical kingdom But see, Jesus had to come the first time as the suffering servant, not the reigning king. He had to come the first time to offer his life as a sacrifice for you and me. But I'm telling you, church, when he comes again, come on, somebody. When he comes again, he's not coming as the suffering servant. He is coming as the reigning king of glory. And he will come and establish a physical kingdom on earth. So in week one, let me just give you quickly a recap. In week one, we learned that the big idea was that is the Good Samaritan. Everyone is my neighbor. Everyone is my neighbor. Not just the person who lives next door. Not just the person who looks like me. Not just the person who has the same type of job or education as me. Not just the person who votes like me. Real quiet right there. Everyone is my neighbor, even if you don't agree with them. Why, pastor? Because they were made in the image of God. Are you hearing me? They were made in the image of God. Second thing is the world's metrics for success. Fame. Money. Talent. Totally not what the kingdom looks at, not what God looks at. God is looking for two things from us, faithfulness and obedience, faithfulness and obedience. He doesn't look at how much money you have. He doesn't look at how popular you are or how famous you are or any of those things or how good you are at something. He is looking for faithfulness with what he puts in your hand and obedience to carry it out. And then last week, We talked about the rich fool and we talked about the dangers of greed and you cannot live a life of greed and simultaneously live a life of faith. Can't happen. It's impossible to be greedy and thankful at the same time. It's impossible to be greedy and generous at the same time. So this week I'm going to use another parable that's going to hit us all, every single one, from the youngest to the oldest. It's going to hit every one of us. Get your notes ready. Get your phones ready, whatever you use to take notes, and I want you to engage in this. We're going we're to talk today about the parable of the unforgiving servant. The unforgiving servant. Father, thank you so much for your grace and mercy. 
Thank you so much for the presence that we've already sensed in this place during worship. God, right now, I want to pray for blessings to be upon my staff. Bless them and every person in this room who honored my family today. I want you to pour your spirit out on them. Bless them for it, God. It is an honor and a privilege to serve here. And now, Lord, anoint your servant to bring the word of God. Let it become powerful and prophetic in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So this parable is about mercy and forgiveness. Say that with me. Mercy and forgiveness. The two go hand in hand. As a matter of fact, in some versions of the Bible, maybe yours, it says this is called the unmerciful servant. That's why those things just go right together. I learned very early on, as I'm sure you did, in my Christian walk, as a, even as a kid, that just because someone names the name of Christ or is following Jesus doesn't mean that they can't deeply hurt me or I them. I also learned that bad things and painful things and hurtful things can and do happen to good people, even Christian people. That's one of the, the big questions, isn't it? Why do bad things, if if God is so good and loving, why do bad things happen to good people? How could that, how could suffering and this and that? Folks, it's, it's really not that difficult to understand. We don't like the answer, but it's not that difficult to understand. We live in a sin filled world. We live in a sin filled world and we're all affected by what's happening because of sin. And we brought that into the world, not God. Humanity brought that into the world. And and secondly, we have to deal with our enemy. Satan is a real foe. And his demons are real. It's It's not a fairy tale. We have a real enemy. And I say this all the time. We live our lives in, in its entirety, behind enemy lines. We live on a battleground all the time. And we have to be aware that this is a battle and that people do get hurt. But here's, here's and Jesus says it in, in John 16, 33, he says, here on earth, say on earth. Where are we living right now? <laughs> you know, in 2020, I have to ask that question every now and then because it's like the twilight zone, right? Here on earth, Jesus says, you will Not you might, not you could. You will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. So listen carefully. Look on the screen. Being a Christian doesn't exclude us from the possibility of being deeply hurt. But it does ensure that we will never be alone as we walk through the pain. Jesus will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will walk all the way through. See, David understood this in the Old Testament. This is where he, he penned his most famous psalm, Psalm 23, when he, when he got to the part about, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even in the worst seasons of my life, the most dangerous seasons, the most painful seasons, the most hurtful seasons of my life, I will not fear any evil. Why, David? Because you, God, are with me. Come on, somebody. That was the old. Yeah, go ahead. That was the Old Testament. How much more should we have hope living on this side of the resurrection? How much more should we have joy being full of the Holy Spirit? How much more should we have peace because of the cross? And how much more should we have love and mercy for one another because Jesus first loved 
us. Many years ago, almost 25 now, it's hard to believe, Kathy and I were deeply hurt in ministry. Young, young, 22, 23 years old. Deeply hurt by people that, you know, we loved. Leadership in the church that we loved. And I've told this story before, so I'm not going to go back into it. But we were devastated. But I'm so thankful and grateful today that we chose forgiveness and we chose mercy instead of harboring unforgiveness that would rot away our soul or causing division because of that decision that was made. That season, listen to me, that season of time could have changed the trajectory of our lives. I mean, after that happened, we could have looked at each other and been like, if this is what ministry looks like, forget it. That's how important this message today is. Because I believe, as I was praying about this this week, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, there's going to be people in the room who know Jesus, love Jesus, but their life has been knocked off course because of an event, because of, of, of something or a season of pain. And I want to I do a work this morning in their heart to put them back on course. Yes. Come on. In this parable, Jesus paints us a vivid picture with this this story of what he offers every single one of us, but he also shows us clearly what he is expecting of us toward other people. And that's the hard part. Let's look at Matthew chapter 18 together. You can follow along in your Bible or on, the, on your phone or whatever. We're in the NIV this week. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times? Shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, Peter thought he was being all generous with this answer. He thought he was being the man. He looked super Christian with this answer because the rabbis that he had listened to all his life taught three times. Three times. And so he's like, well, I'm going to up it to seven and impress the Lord. Anybody tried to impress the Lord before? Yeah. How'd that work out? He's going to impress the Lord. And he's expecting this incredible answer. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or seven times 70, depending on the translation. And that is per day. In other words, Jesus wasn't putting a number on it. He's calling us as believers to infinite persistent forgiveness. Now that's, that teaching was unheard of during this period of time. They'd heard all their life, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But this is new, this is kingdom teaching. And it sounded just as crazy then as it does to our ears today. Persistent 
never-ending forgiveness? Are you kidding me? Do you know my ex? I haven't, don't have an ex. It was a general statement. Come on, come on. Do you know my boss? Do you know this crazy person in the cubicle next to me who sings Justin Bieber with his earbuds in all day long? Forgiveness? <laughs> Y'all help me out, come on. These dad jokes, you know, you have a little help. As crazy as it sounded then, as crazy as it sounds today, that's exactly what Jesus has called us to. Why? Because he knows that if we actually make forgiveness a rhythm in our daily lives, come on, it will change everything. Every relationship, even your physical life, your, your emotional life, your mental health, your physical health, it affects everything. It's that important. And it will bring true and lasting freedom. According to the original Greek language, forgiveness means letting go of something that someone owes you. I didn't put that on the screen because I'm going to make a shorter version of that. But just think about that. Forgiveness means uh, letting go of something that someone actually does owe you. What I mean is that, you know, here, just think, someone has hurt you, someone has lied about you, someone has betrayed you, someone has maybe even physically hurt you, financially hurt you, whatever the situation, at that point, they owe you a debt. So whether it's any of those things, look at the screen, forgiveness is a canceled debt. A canceled debt. Now that's a legal term. That's a banking term. Now remember, forgiveness and mercy, hand in hand, right? So a lot of times in the Christian world, we hear mercy and grace thrown into the same pot, used the same way. Mercy and grace, they're not the same thing. So mercy brings us from the negative to zero. Just imagine you, uh, how, many, how many have a mortgage payment? Raise your hand, a lot of us. Why do you have a mortgage? To have a home, but the reason you do that is because you can't afford to just write that check. How nice would that be? But for the majority of us, that's not possible. And so we borrow and we have a debt. Now, just imagine with me, this is, this is a fun thing to do and, and then maybe a little depressing, but just imagine the bank owner calls you up and says, get online. And you get online and where you did have $180,000 in debt to this mortgage company, you notice it says zero. He said, I've got good news for you. I've canceled your debt. How many would do a Pentecostal run through the house? <laughs> All of you Baptists would suddenly become just a, little, just a little fun, just a little fun. Yeah, that's right. Now, wait, I'm not finished. So that, that is mercy. Then... Your bank owner calls back 
He says, you know what, I'm just feeling really generous today. Check your bank account. And you get online and you did have $5.35 in your bank account. And you look now and you have $100,000 more than you did yesterday. And he says, there you go. So listen, in our spiritual life, mercy is when Jesus paid the debt of our sin that we could never pay and got us from the negative up to here. Grace is everything that he piles on top to help us live the life that he's called us to live. And with Jesus Christ, we get both mercy and grace. Now give him praise. Come on, somebody. That's the good news. And that's even better. I know it's hard to think about it, but that's even better than the bank president calling you. Because that's temporal. That's temporal. What we're talking about is eternal. So how many have heard this whole thing, forgive and forget? Forgive and forget. Are you kidding me? It's not even possible. We're human. I'm about to say some freeing things to you this morning. You can't forget some of the things. You can't forget sexual abuse. You can't forget betrayal. You can't forget infidelity. You can't forget damaging words from a parent or a teacher. Come on, I still remember 25 years ago that situation that was so hurtful and painful. Look at the screen. It is not necessary to forget an offense in order to forgive it. But it is necessary to forgive if we want to be free of it. That's the goal. The goal is not to try to do some weird thing to forget it. The goal is to be free of it. Come on, scar. Jesus himself, I mean, do you think he could have forgotten the torture? And even as he's on the cross with nails in his hands and his feet, he's looking down and he says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And then later he calls attention after the resurrection to the scars in his hand. Forgotten those. Come on, the scars that are in your life and on your soul. That have so long held you back. Kept you from moving on. Been barriers. What God is wanting to do is instead of those things holding you back, he's wanting to use them for his glory as a testimony to his mercy and grace. It's not necessary to forget an offense in order to forgive it, but forgive it we must because we need to be free. So Jesus takes what Peter said and what he said to Peter and he launches into a parable. Verse 23, therefore, okay, time out. Whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you have to think about why it, what it's there for. So therefore, listen, therefore, parentheses, because forgiveness is infinite, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants. So when we see the kingdom of God is like, he's about to give us another snapshot, another view into his kingdom. Verse 24, as the king began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now this was an, a ridiculous amount of money. It would have been like us saying a bazillion. Okay, 
In the Greek, they use the word talent. That's not talking about how good you are at something. There's a, a measurement of money. So listen, one talent was equal to one year's wage. One talent. This was 10,000 talents. So 10,000 years. Jesus is clearly saying this is an unpayable debt. Verse 25, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, his first century listeners would not have even batted an eye at this because bond slavery was very real in ancient Palestine. People were, who couldn't pay a debt were sold, go to debtor's prison, or had to work for the rest of their lives. But it's not just in ancient Palestine, it exists today. You hear me? Bond slavery exists right now. That's why we're doing the work we're doing in Pakistan. I took this little picture off of our uh, wall there in the, in the hallway this week. This is one of the families. Here's what, here, let me tell you what happens. These are Christians. And in Pakistan, Pakistan is the fourth most persecuted place on earth for Christian people. That means they can't get good jobs. They're always pushed down, always oppressed. And so they get, have an emergency. Maybe one of them had to have a medical treatment done and they couldn't afford it. So they borrow from these landowners. This is, this is what happens. This is legit. They borrow from these brick kiln owners or landowners. The person pays the medical, for the medical treatment and then they are indebted. They are in bond slavery for the rest of their lives because they never make enough to pay it off. But this family and the other families on that wall, because of your faithfulness and your giving, I've, and I've been with this family. This is not National Geographic. This is not some travel show. I've been with this family. Because of your faithfulness in raising the money for these, this family and others, they are free today. Come on, hallelujah. I'm praying that my visa goes through for me to go back and visit them and others in November. Be praying about that. It's hard to travel right now, as you can understand. So this is what's going on here. Verse 26. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. No, he can't. He can't. The servant's master took pity on him, and here's the deal. Canceled the debt and let him go. An unpayable debt. He canceled the debt. The king had mercy. The king forgave the debt. This is a word picture of what Jesus has done for each of us on the cross. He paid our unpayable debt to sin. Can somebody give God praise right now? Come on. Verse 28 says, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. So this is about a hundred days worth versus 10,000 years. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me. This week as I, as I wrote this, I was going on to the next verse. I was done with that verse. And the Holy Spirit kind of arrested me and said, you need to think about yourself in comparison with this servant. Is that the way you act sometimes? Something to think about. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. These are the exact same words 
that he had just uttered to the king. Verse 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told the master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. Now notice that Jesus compares unforgiveness with wickedness. He said, I canceled all that debt. 10,000 years I canceled because you begged me to. You asked me. Here's the verse. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And that's the verse. That's the question we all have to ask ourselves. When we're trying to hold on to unforgiveness, when we're harboring that stuff in our heart, this is what we have to wrestle with. Don't miss the point of the story. Jesus likens our sins against God to an unpayable debt. And yet, Jesus paid it all. Now, I've taught on this parable and on forgiveness many times. But this next point is a fresh I hate to use the word revelation, but to me it was. This is a fresh word. I want you to get this. Learning to forgive begins with learning to change our focus. Learning to forgive begins, it begins with changing our focus. And here's what I mean. Instead of thinking about the smaller debt, the smaller hurt, whatever it is that somebody has done to you, that somebody has hurt you, that somebody owes you. Instead of focusing on that, think hard about the debt that you could never pay. Instead of focusing on what somebody else has done to you, think hard about what has been forgiven you. Think hard about what Jesus did for you on the cross that you could not do for yourself. Think hard about that and it will be much, much easier to offer grace and offer mercy and offer forgiveness to somebody else. Come on, does that make sense? Change your focus, change what you're looking at, change your perspective, and it will really, really help you. Let's finish the story and then we'll close. Verse 34, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Well, we just, we know he can't do that, so this is a picture of hell. It's, it's eternal, he can never do it. Verse 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless, unless, you forgive. Unless you forgive. Woo. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I want to clap or not, right? It's like, uh, yeah. These, these, this is straight from the mouth of Christ. What a tough word, but what... The big idea, it's a kingdom principle. Unless you forgive, you will not be forgiven. Now, I'm going to give you some, something to, to hold on to because that's, that's tough. That's tough. But that's why Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts, our sins, Lord, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, right? Let me offer you four things about forgiveness and then we'll close. Write these down. 
Number one, forgiveness is not denial. Forgiveness is not denial. Forgiveness is not saying uh, uh, that the person didn't do something. The forgiveness is not sweeping it under the rug. Forgiveness is not saying they didn't hurt you. They did. They did. Forgiveness also means, yes, I forgive them, but I don't have to be their best friend. Come on. If that person is toxic, yes, you have to forgive them, but you don't have to hang out with them. You don't have to let them speak into your life anymore. I will. Now here's, under this, you know, I think about kids. I think about children. I think about teenagers who are caught in a, in a toxic environment. And that's where we have to pray to the Lord for grace. And we need to be ready to help in those moments because they can't get away. And we have to trust the Lord. Number two, forgiveness takes the power away from the offender and we get our lives back. Harboring unforgiveness always hurts you more than the offender. So when you forgive, you take that power away from them and you can move on. Number three, forgiveness is a daily exercise. Jesus said 77 times per day, per person. I love what C.S. Lewis says about this. It's, it's brilliant. The real trouble about the duty of forgiveness is that you do it with all of your might on Monday and then find on Wednesday that it hasn't stayed put and all has to be done over again. Can somebody say amen or oh me? Yes. Forgiveness is a daily exercise. Number four, unforgiveness destroys a good life. Forgiveness creates it. Come on, we choose. We choose. Destruction or creation? Destruction or creation? Are we going to let this thing destroy us? Or are we going to create the life that God has for us? When we harbor unforgiveness, Again, we're focusing on the wrong thing. We're focusing not on the good things of life and the good things that God has done. We're focusing on the failings of another person. And it tears us down. And eventually, if we continue to hone in and be obsessed with someone else's failure, anxiety, pain, depression comes in. But when you let go of judgment, when you cancel the debt, when you extend the same mercy that was extended to you through Christ, you can finally move past the demand for retribution, for revenge, for that debt, whatever it is. You can move past it. And as a result, the trajectory of your life can be forever changed. It's literally that big of a deal. The work of forgiveness is hard. The work of forgiveness is difficult and it's daily. It may even seem impossible at times. Amen? But let me give you the good news in a nutshell. John 1.14 tells us that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Not the balance of, 
Not 50% one and 50% the other. 100% grace and 100% truth. So the truth is forgiveness is absolutely necessary. The truth is we must forgive to be forgiven. But the grace is we never have to try to do that alone. The grace is God will never leave us or forsake us. The grace is that he will help us with the impossible. Because with man, Jesus said, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Even the worst things that we can imagine, God will help us to accomplish. That's the grace. And the grace of God is this. The grace of God is this. As long as you trust and obey him, he will never give up on you. So even if you struggle with this, even if you stumble and fall with this and have to get back up and try again, as long as you're loving him, as long as you're serving him, his grace will never give up on you. Will you bow your heads, please? If you were challenged and or encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you find us. To experience other messages, videos, and live events, visit us online at newlifecanton.com. And again, thank you for listening to the New Life Church Podcast.